the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I know it's not the easiest thing in the world to wrap your head around a show about retirement, a show about getting you from point A to point B so that you can live the last 30, 40 years of your life with a little bit of income or hopefully a lot of income and hopefully a lot of happy times. I want you to be the grandparent that has $5 in both hands and you tell the grandchild to pick a hand and damn it, that kid wins either way. And the smile and the thoughts on their face as they enjoy childhood and enjoy you and then they can calmly get through their high school years because they know they've got a backstop and a grandparent even when their parents get stressed. That's kind of the whole goal of the show. I didn't have that. So I had a dead grandfather before I was born uh, and my father was orphaned so... I had one grandparent, and she had Alzheimer's disease, and that was horrific. I mean, you don't want to show that to a six-year-old kid, but I had to watch that stuff go down. Anyway, um, one of the things I'm going to talk about tonight in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge is about retirement planning and wealth preservation. It's an event that you can come to. You can sign up for at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. 630 to 9, 639 at the Elks Lodge. Um, if anyone wants a free ticket... Anyone in this hour wants a free ticket, drop me an email, rob at robblack.com, rob at robblack.com. And it has to be in the 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock hour when I get the email. Otherwise, no, 9, 9, 9. Um, so lots of stories out there today. It's good to be in earnings season. I'll be quite honest with you. It's dramatic. Crude oil surrenders some of the advance. The S&P 500 fails to hold its 100-day moving average. Dun, dun, dun. Trauma, right? I'll do that one more time. S&P 500 fails to hold its 100-day moving average. There we go. There we go. And all hell is breaking loose. Go outside and you'll see Ozymodius and demons and pitchforks and horrible, horrible things. The market is... No, it's down again. Oh, we'll be okay. So S&P 500 is down 6 point. Six six. Eh, 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 eh. Dow Jones Industrial Average down forty nine. The Nasdaq down thirty one odd points. It, it's beneath that that I want to look at because I don't care about the markets on a day by day. I quite rather enjoy a lower market because I'm able to dollar cost average in at a better price, which is one of the reasons you succeed or fail on Wall Street. Do I like being at all time highs? Hell yeah, I do. I like pulling out that statement and leaving it on, you know, oh, you're at dinner with a friend and you leave your investment statement on the table. I'm going to go to the bathroom wash my hands. Um, yeah, I like being at 50 all-time highs. Sure. But I also like being discounted. I just won't walk around with the statements per se. Ten-year treasury sits at 1.82%. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's nuts. That's ludicrous. That, to me, is a buying signal. But... It's also telling me that there's a lot of volatility right now. 
And it's telling me that there's a lot of fear, which is when you get your greatest discounts. Like I said, in the world of dating, you have the best opportunity with the hottest members of the opposite sex right after they've been dumped. You don't have the best opportunities when they're riding high and they're going to prom and they're going to, you know, they got six-figure jobs. It's 130% true. I had the horrific scenario the other day. I was at lunch and like eight young people from a startup came in. And when you're, you're young, you're good looking, and you're working for a startup, you are a cocky SOB. You are an arrogant winch. What else can I say? It was rough to sit through because I'm like, I'm not young and beautiful anymore. And okay, so I've got a good job and I've got a great life, but I'm not that. And you could point to it and go, eh. Anyway, U.S. jobless claims rose to a four-month high. That's good. Good. No, no, that's bad. That's bad. The number of Americans filing new claims for unemployment benefits last week increased the highest level since early September, but the underlying trend continued to point to a strengthening labor market. So you trend, you put four month, four weeks together, and you, you look at the trend and not one week per se. So seasonally adjusted 316,000. I'm going to be honest with you. Any number under 400,000 is a good number. Now, is this as good as 289,000? No. What are first-time jobless claims? You know, right? When you fire someone, or when you let them go, they march down to the unemployment office. And they file for the first time a claim of unemployment. So we hire people automatically. It just happens in this country. Like, there's no point in time where we're not hiring people. Um, with immigration and with other you know, oddities that fall into place, there's no point. So you kind of match how many people are hiring versus how many people are letting go. So any number under 400,000, we can really, really deal with quite nicely. So, targets pulling out of Canada. Interruptus, Canadus, Operationus. I know, that's practicing safe Canadian retail. Um, targets pulling out of Canada? Whoa. Didn't they just go into Canada? 133 stores? Target Canada has struggled since its opening in March 2013 with consumer complaints of near-empty shelves and higher prices compared to the U.S. Target stores. And there's been speculation that its days were numbers. And they were. So that's kind of interesting, right? Not a good day to be a retailer, huh? Why? 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 Why, do you ask? I'll give you an answer why. Because Best Buy is down 14% today. They came out with their holiday sales report, CEO Hubert Jolie. Now, okay. Talking about having one horrific name, Jolie, it looks like Jolly, but with one L. So that's how he explains it to people when he's, he checks in at a hotel. Yeah, my last name is Jolly, but with one L, right? I have to tell people it's black, like the color. Chad Burton gets to say something a little bit cooler. He goes, it's Burton, as in the snowboard. I buy clothes with my bonnet. Like, whoa. So anyway, um, Hubert, <laughs> that's the other p curse of a name. Who names their kids Hubert? <clears throat> okay, I get that, you know, this is probably three generations ago. <clears throat> so he um, basically highlighted some some negatives. Deflationary pricing, weak demand for consumer electronics, external pressures that they discussed in the first quarter, um, weak industry demand in consumer electronic categories, declining demand for extended warranties, Exchange rate volatility in our international businesses. The only thing I ever recommend getting an ex uh, extended warranty on is things that you drop and break, like laptops, maybe like a phone, potentially an iPad, things that you drop and they break. Do not get an extended warranty on a refrigerator. If it's going to go bad, it's going to go bad within its, its time, and if not, it's not likely to go bad. Just, just saying, you know, just saying. So the Swiss National Bank abandons their currency manipulation today, <clears throat> likely in anticipation of a quantitative easing announcement from the European Central Bank. The franc surges higher compared to the U.S. dollar. So Europe looks like they're starting to get into the game of printing money, which is all ultimately good and solid and things like that. Um, other stories of note today. <clears throat> the Swiss franc is ultimately out of control. A little fun taking us to break. Are you having fun yet? Are you having fun yet? Oscar nominations announced. 
too many artsy films this year. No films that like people really saw, like Birdman. No one saw Birdman, and it's getting nominated. It's going to be a bad year for the Academy Awards. But it's going to be a good night to meet me and CFP Chad Burton at the Elks Lodge in Palo Alto tonight from 6.30 to 9, Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning event. You can sign up at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. And we were bound to sit light Flash lights are falling to that night From a storm, watch your fear Just when you were calling and I was like that Yeah, yeah, yeah Good day. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. He'll be at Palo Alto tonight, the Elks Lodge, talking a little financial planning, wealth preservation. Good event. 6.30 to 9. Mr. Burton... It's still very, very early in the 2015 calendar year. And the markets are showing crazy volatility. I remember leaving work, and I worked in TV until about 9.30. The market was up 100. And then by the time I got to the gym, it was down 200, 250. It was like a, th- a 400-point swing of a day. That's pretty volatile. I should stay at work is, is the answer, right? Yeah, I mean, a lot of volatility that happens in the beginning of the year. And this was definitely, uh, uh, was it two days ago, that large swing up, yeah. 240 up to negative 66 or something like that. That was a pretty large swing. But at the same time, you have rebalancing in the beginning of the year. As money managers, will try to you know, put off taking gains. If, we've, if we know we want to sell something in, say, December, Okay. But you want to push the taxes off into the next year in case there's losses to harvest to offset those those gains. You do that in January. So there's a lot of rebalancing that goes on. Um, a lot of ETFs and funds rebalance in the beginning of the year. So there, there does there's always some increase in volatility. If you look at the VIX, and yeah, it's up you know almost to 23 right now, which is a lot higher than it's been, and that's a measure of volatility. But if we look back five years, it's been a lot higher. So... The, the point swings, the bigger the Dow gets, the bigger the S&P 500 gets, 1% of that number is always going to be a bigger number. So it, it's uh, – I don't think we have a lot more new ideas to worry about in 2015. I think they're kind of the same issues as last year. The only but, thing that's different is that oil prices are a heck of a lot lower. But last year we didn't know what we were dealing with. Last year ISIS came out of nowhere. Putin and Ukraine came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the issues were – not what we expected, and therefore the market didn't play out as expected. Although the underlying theme was an improving jobs market in the U.S., and that continued to improve, and the market continued to take its cue from that, and not so much from the external things that we didn't know, boogeyman. Yeah, the boogeyman last year, was the, the surprise was the taper tantrum, that stupid word that is coming back again as people talk about it a year later, where the thought of the the Fed's exiting the bond-buying program Shot rates up to over 3%, and the stock market took a little correction and then bounced right back. Now people are getting comfortable with the idea that, you know what, as the ECB can't get their you-know-what together, and we'll find out on January 22nd how well they're going to do in terms of their bond-buying program. If they can't, you're going to see even more currencies flow into the U.S. and buy the 10-year treasury. So I think the idea of expecting interest rates is low. To stay low for the year, people are comfortable with um, mortgage rates. 3.62%. I know. I was on talking a 30-year fix? I was talking about that wow. yesterday. I refinanced two years ago at 3.78, and I was pretty pleased with it. Yeah. And I'm starting to think, like, maybe I should, you know, take a look at a refi again. Right. It's not quite there yet, but maybe in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And I don't want to be ready to move. If it goes down to 3.4, I'm doing it. Yeah. You know. You just got to do the break even. And a lot of times you can go to the, the, the place that you're, you have the loan with now and just have it redone, a streamlined process. If it's soon enough, they can still use your appraisal that you've already paid for. So it's got to do the break-even. I just hit the break-even. I just bought the house in June, yeah. and we came down on the rates enough to where I'm at about a year break-even. If I if I do the refinance, 
after a year of interest savings, I'll break even on the cost of doing the refinance. So not a bad deal. It's interesting that you bring that up because you and I, I think, look for opportunity. And right now, the opportunity is not in making tons of money in stocks. It's getting a good discount on stocks, maybe. But you and I are like, I'm looking at investment property, like real estate. I'm like, come on lower. Come on lower, and I'll free up some cash, and I'll go get another rental or something like that. Yeah. Because uh, the mortgage rates, to me, are more attractive than, say, the valuations of homes. Yeah, I think the thing to keep an eye on is, is energy companies, commodity companies, commodity companies, anything that's related to iron, coal, any commodity-related stock has just been hammered, absolutely hammered. I think that's where eventually the discounts will be. Um, you got to wait, though, to see signs of any inflation or any rising rates at all. So that's that's a while away. Unlike the stock market, though, commodity markets take a longer time to kind of heal themselves and get back to where you want them to be. Yep. So don't look for instant gratification. It could be you can get a coal stock, like you said, at a discount. And it's great, an oil stock at a discount. And it's awesome. But it may take 18 months for you to you know, break even slash trend higher slash outpace the market. Yep. It'll happen. That's what the talk is about oil, the supply-demand issue on how much of a supply versus demand issue it's going to be. It's going to take many years to play out. Um, you know, I don't know. It could bottom at 30. It could bottom at 40. Yeah. I just <laughs> I can't even make the call anymore. I want to remind you, it wasn't that long ago you and I were having a conversation when oil was at 82. Mm-hmm. It just crashed from like 95 to 82, and I said, I've heard some reports saying it can go to 40. You're like, no, 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 absolute floor at 78 or something like that. And it just goes to show you, like, even we do this for a living, and, and, like, sometimes we miss. Right. It's it's because you're dealing with a commodity issue, which is so geopolitically driven. I mean, at that point in time, who would have thought Russia would have invaded Ukraine and then just stuck with their program, ticked everybody off, and then the same time Saudi Arabia and OPEC decides to put, you know, the shale guys out of business or at least try to. That all happened at once. Yeah. Uh, tough business. Very, very fun. Um, but also, like, just to show you, like, Saudi Arabia, well, uh, Prince Allah bin Bintalal. Allah would lead. I don't even try. Allah would lead Bintalal. I actually know it. It's just, for some reason, this morning, lack of coffee. Um, he said something recently that he said, I never see oil go to $100 a barrel. And he was basically saying that there's just so many people that can now get oil out of the ground. We used to be the only game in town, OPEC. But now everywhere in the world uh, can pull oil out of the ground. So he, he's crazy. We'll go to $100 barrel oil again. We will. Um, but he's also it makes an interesting point. So did you know that Saudi Arabia is starting to build a 600-mile wall? Um, they're building a great wall to keep basically Iraq in Iraq and ISIS there and not in Saudi Arabia. So they're building basically what we've talked about in the United States for years. We've argued, should we build a wall with Mexico mm-hmm, right. to keep you know illegal immigration out? And they're doing it. And no one's, no one's saying, like, oh, they shouldn't do it, or they should do it, or they shouldn't do it, or they shouldn't. It's just interesting. Like, we argue for 40 years in our country, and they basically they get one little ISIS issue, and they're like, wall's going up. Yeah. And they have to because they have to protect their citizens. So can you imagine being a neighbor with, like, Iraq? That wouldn't be good. No, I just, I mean, knowing people that have lived or live part-time in Israel. Yeah. I mean, just the stuff that they have to deal with and how kids are trained. and Yeah, I can't imagine living like that. It's tough. So, anyway. But it's Saudi Arabia, a wall looking out to sand, and then there's a wall. It's not quite like that. (laughs) Versus looking south. You have to. I can see where they are. You need to travel. Saudi Arabia is just sand, right? Yeah. Magic carpets. You have to travel more. (laughs) I got to get out. With that said, that's CFP Chad Burton. You can meet him tonight in Palo Alto. He'll be signing autographs. No. <laughs> He's going to be doing an event, Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning, 630 to 9 at the Elks Lodge. Elks Lodge is super easy to get to, and it's super easy parking. So there's no tie-up there. If you have open plans tonight, come on out Elks Lodge. You can find out more information at robblack.com. That's robblack.com.
I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I know it takes commitment. Thanks for getting that I'm quirky as all hell. Um, but again, the goal is to give you some ideas on, you know, stopping to make mistakes with money. It kills me when I hear people say that, you know, I don't trust this market. Like, are you kidding me? Or it kills me when people say real estate's the best investment I've ever made. Real estate's the best liability you ever undertook. And it does work out over time, especially because you're paying yourself rent. But that's the primary driver of it. Or if you have someone else paying your rent, I own some rental properties. It's not fun when people don't pay their rent. It's not fun when they, they come up with crazy stuff. And they do. Um, that's why I have property management. I have to buffer myself from the crazies. Uh, let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. NewFocusFinancial.com. You got a pretty nice website. You got a lot of downloadables, which are kind of like, remember those um, horrible snacks that you would buy when you were in college? Eatables or munchables or something like that? Like Lun- lunchables. Lunchables. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those emergency when you're poor. meals for your kids too, that you have to feed it to them. You're like, oh, I probably just gave them cancer. Exactly. Ugh. Speaking of giving children cancer, that's an <laughs> uplifting topic. Yes. Um, you know, last break you were talking about mentally ill people. Yeah. Difference between mentally ill on the East Coast and West Coast, because I come from the East Coast, mm-hmm. is when they sleep at night, they sleep on like uh, storm grates, uh, because the steam will come up through the drainage. It's Ugh. it's one of the crazier images that I can remember that I don't think people on the West Coast get because it's warmer. Right. But during you know the 18 degree nights, people sleep on storm grates and uh, sewage grates, so because the the heat from the underground system comes up. Yep. So. That's kind of stuff that kills me, even as a fiscal conservative. That there's people that have to sleep on street gates, and the, and the amount of money that we give out to other issues and causes and things like that in this country to other to other countries yeah. before we help those guys. It's interesting because I took a whole class on this from the guy who served uh, under Carter on issues tied towards welfare, mm-hmm. um, and the answer is is that like you just said, it, it's frustrating. In the, the class that I was in, it broke into basically Republicans and Democrats. And I was in Australia for the first month of class, so I missed most of it. <laughs> nice. Because that's what I like to do. And then I'd find the hottest chick. Sit next to her. Sit next to her and say, hey, can I get your notes? And that was my game. That was uh, before Tinder. You know, you would sit next to the cutest girl and say, hey, I've, <laughs> I've been out of class. Can I possibly get notes? Um, with that said, uh, it came time for presentations. And. The Republicans had theirs, like, oh, you have to allocate money that's going to the defense to poor people, and um, everyone had their answers, and I got up and I said, there is no answer, because we're 50 states, and that's the messed up part about it. A poor person in, in West Virginia is totally different than a poor person in Southern California or Northern California. A poor person in Georgia who, you know, his daddy's daddy was a coal miner, he ain't going to break out of that poverty cycle in any way, shape, or form unless you educate him. So some people you educate, some people you give them, you know, mental care, some people... And I, and I just, I got frustrated. So the guy gave me an A. I probably deserved a C, but during my speech, I was like, there's no answer. And I said that like 10 times, and I kept trying to like give a speech where I was trying to figure out an answer, and I couldn't. Yeah. So he gave me an A, because I think I was right. So. Yeah, I think you are. I mean, every state has its different cultures and issues and everything like that. It's just the, it's it's not, the, the lack of where can you go if you have a mental health issue. Or, I think that's a big issue. Or even like the welfare issue. Like, we pay people to have more babies. <sighs> yes. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, when you're on welfare and you just, I, I've seen somebody pay for food stamps, but they're talking on their cell phone. Yeah. As they're in a checkout line, number one, it's rude, but well, this what guy the right, heck? This guy right here has no <laughs> savings for retirement. Right? None. Yeah. Lives, lives with his mom. I'm pointing to my board operator. <clears throat> but he just bought an iPhone 6 Plus. Oh, man. See, we are coming just like <laughs> he, he got on microphone and no one could hear him then his mom bought it for him for a birthday present slash christmas present slash next year's christmas present but you are jewish and you do publicly denounce uh christmas so i'm calling bs and you know what your mom could have done that would have been better she could have put that money into a retirement account for you do you really need a six plus he does, so he does. No, he's got small hands. He can't use that phone, right? You know, when I, <laughs> I, get, I don't get paid to talk to the teachers, but when I talk to the teachers union um, at good teaching conferences mm-hmm. in both North and Southern California, first question I ask is, how many of you have a cell phone? Or how many of you have an iPhone? And they all raise their hand, and I'm like, you're going to be poor teachers when you're 50. 
you're 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 living large at 20, you're gonna be poor when you're 50. And then I go through all the other questions like how many of you have a 400 dollars purse? How many of you have like you know 300 dollars pair of shoes? We just live as a nation just too well. So. Yeah, I mean it's it's, it's an accumulation of depreciating assets. It's a lot of moving, a lot of new car issues. I mean, it's pretty easy if you if you put more money in your car payment than your 401k, you're gonna be broke when you're 65. I have a car that I don't I don't think you ever drive in. Like we don't drive with each other for some reason. And most people are scared to drive with me. So. Um, but it's got so many miles on it. All the radio dials are are scratched off now. Mm-hmm. So the buttons, I don't know which is satellite. I don't know which is AM, FM. You just kind of have to remember because all the decals have, have scratched off it. I'm proud of that. It's strange. It's not a chick magnet, but I'm proud of that I've been able to go past all the depreciation and just you know ride it for six, seven years without a car payment. You know, the last time I went in, like I mentioned this before, I looked at a new uh, GMC Denali. Yeah. And they're like $72,000 for a brand new one. You can get a two-year-old one. Yeah, this seat doesn't float, fold flat for $36,000. What's what's the benefit of that new car? I have three kids. Do you think that car is going to look new in two weeks? No. As soon as we pick them up from the soccer game, there's mud everywhere, and you don't let them eat for the first two months, and then all of a sudden you're on, on the way down the rush somewhere, so they got to eat in the car, and then there's everywhere. No, I'll just take the used car. Thanks. My car issue isn't with kids, because I've got three kids too, but my kids are baby goats. <laughs> And they eat my car. <laughs> now, why are we playing this? Come from the land down under. Oh, did I say I went to Australia to pick up chicks? Oh, yeah, okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha. I, no, I went to Australia and I came back in college. I picked up. I, anyway, big event tonight, Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge, Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning. You can sign up at robblack.com at 6.30 to 9 at the Elks Lodge in Palo Alto. Sign up at robblack.com. <laughs> Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything that you want to talk about, we could talk about. I've got CFP Chad Burton in studio today. Sounds like he's got a little bit of gas. <laughs> Squeaky chair. Squeaky chair. Not. Yeah. See, look. Every time we move, it's the. It's not the. Just move on with the show. Move on with the show. Chad Burton and I are going to be in Palo Alto tonight, which basically means we're spending the whole day together, and we'll hate each other by nine o'clock. <laughs> then we'll have beers and make up. Uh, no more beers. So. You done? Um, Going dry. Yeah. So. I've gotten to the point in my life where I'm very careful about the image that I put out. Um, and like with you as a partner. like I, <laughs> So this just happened in the last couple of weeks because I'm no, pretty I, sure you um, had a beer at the last event. I know, I'm, which I'm totally fine with. And I'll probably break it tonight, but I'm I'm very conscious about the image that I put out because people – okay, I was getting lunch the other day. And uh, this woman comes up and she goes, I was working out with my husband – or not working out with my husband. Um, I was getting ready for work this morning with my husband and – there's this guy on TV that looks just like you. <laughs> I mean, her voice is like, he looks just like you. So you have a new stalker. No, no, oh, no. Okay. I said, is it possible that it was me? And then she goes, oh, my God, you're on TV. <laughs> and this is in a, a restaurant with 60 other people. 
And I'm like, oh, how do I how do I politely say thank you very much? And you know, I go like, I remember a couple of I got back from a vacation. You need to come up with some crazy reaction. Like you just throw your hands up, start screaming, and run out the door. <laughs> <laughs> I got back from a vacation in Vegas, and uh, I got back late late in the evenings. So I stopped for a beer and like a dinner. Mm-hmm. And this one woman at, at the bar, because I'll sit at a bar because I'm by myself. She was staring at me, like, in a weird way. And when I'd, when I'd look over near her, she'd, like, you know, put her hands over her eyes and, like, pretend she wasn't looking. Like, it's you have to manage your image, because I could have acted like a jerk, but I'm like, you know, good evening, you know. Anyway, um, managing your image. So, um, tonight, Elks Lodge, Palo Alto, come meet CFP Chad Birch. We're going to talk a little wealth preservation retirement planning. Somebody that has a tough time managing their image these days, and that's active, large cap, and mid cap mutual fund managers and hedge fund managers. Oh, hedge fund managers especially. Yeah, are they drastic underperformance for years on hedge funds? Are hedge funds going to be able to to stick? There are. I mean, there are some that have decent returns, and now it's easier for them to publicize their returns. But the tax efficiency of a lot of them, the illiquidity of a lot of them, people have just come to realize that. For a good portion of your money, especially when you're starting out, broad-based index funds. Very few large-cap and mid-cap managers can outperform them over time. Where I like my active managers is in my small-cap international emerging market space. I still even use some indexing in those areas. Rebalancing is the key. When do you rebalance? When do you peel off some of that excessive growth? In other words, if somebody last year started off with a portfolio that was 70-30 because that's their risk tolerance, and now they're 80-20 because the equities have run, it's time to peel off some gains, get back to your normal risk level. That's where asset allocation, it's not, asset allocation and rebalancing has more to do with your long-term returns than it does picking the actual exact best mutual fund, ETF, or individual stock. It's, I mean, history shows that time and time again. Well, I guess it's time to do something. Sorry about that. <laughs> First rule of media, turn off your cell phone. It's, it's the alarm. Or something else. Okay. Is this the time you usually wake up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Is that the difference between our lives? Um, so we got an email. And we'll get back to the small cap, mid cap angle that you're talking about. But I thought I'd throw this out there. People can email Rob at RobBlackShow.com. It's Rob at RobBlackShow.com. Um, this person is 25. Love seeing that. I'm interested in opening a retirement account for myself. I do not have a 401k through my work. My question is, at my age and income, what is going to be the best IRA option for me? An IRA, IRA, or a Roth IRA? I see myself at this point in time making small contributions to this account every month, less than $200 per month. Is it best to open with my current bank, or should I open it with a different bank? I currently bank with Wells Fargo. Nice to, uh, 25-year-old's thinking about this. Yeah, um, they're just thinking about the wrong place. Wells Fargo has done well, though, in terms of gaining wealth management accounts. Seems to be the one bank that's got their act together right now. Okay. A lot of disappointing earnings from banks today. But um, Roth IRA, in that age and that income level, if you're kind of, you're not sure what to do, you're starting out at your first job, you're under a 20% federal marginal rate, the best thing to do, in my opinion, is to put enough into your 401k to get the match, turn around and open up a Roth IRA, and then max that Roth IRA out. If you continue to be able to save more money after that, go back and max your 401k out. So that's the steps that a lot of people need to take before they ever need to see a financial advisor. Put enough into the make get the match in the 401k. Yep. Do a Roth IRA, then go back to the 401k. Realistically, putting $200 a month in is that enough? That's a great start. Good I mean, start, yeah. you, did you say you was 27? I 25. Up. 25? Yeah, it's a great start. So you know, it sounds like he's saving more than 10% of his pay starting out, which means he'll probably be able to retire at age 65. Okay. Okay. Um. This is a long one. Boy, that's a book over there. I'll just email that one to you because that's actually got some um, pretty crazy stuff in it. Um, So back to small cap, mid cap, while I try to digest this for you. Um, I would say that the choices in my 401k Mm -hmm. haven't been the best. Like, you know, you get a 401k and you get like 20 choices. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of the small cap and mid cap funds have underperformed the markets. So, well, small cap has underperformed large cap for the last 18, to almost two years now. Okay. Um, and relatively, in terms of PE ratios, there's still a premium there. Yeah. 
which is one of the reasons why. But if you look back in history, in times of rising rates, they have tended to perform a bit better. And over a 20-year period, they perform much better than large caps. So this is where the idea of um, active management can come into play. If you're focusing on small cap companies that are still growing their revenues, but they're more U.S. economy-based versus export-based, those are the type of companies that can do really, really well. I will say that when you're looking at you know, historical P ratios on you know, price-to-earnings ratios on small cap stocks, a lot of them still have a lot of premium there. So I was trying to look back to the 80s, last time interest rates started to float up. I don't, I don't think it'll hope they do, right? It's going to be a healthy economy, healthy for the banks. I think, I think you could get some outperformance on small caps, especially on the active managed side, if that happens. Yeah, I, I think what I'm getting at is, in my 401k, I think I've historically done better, because 401ks, you, you don't really get to pick any fund you want, and you're given like choice of 20 funds. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones that have done best for me are like the sector, or the ETFs, it's the, the non-managed ones. But like when you get into like a Loomis or different various funds that are out there, um, I find that they're underperforming. You mentioned Loomis. If there, if there's like the um, some of the strategic income funds out there, which are mm-hmm. basically high yield bond funds. Yep. Uh, here's where a lot of those have gotten hit in the last quarter is because a lot of high yield bond funds, in order to get more yield, they they started to see certain stocks, especially. Um, certain types of oil stocks yeah. or REITs or whatever that were yielding more than the high-yield bonds out there, started buying them in addition to having a large exposure to the energy companies in the U.S. that have been hurt. So a lot of those high-yield funds, some of them are even selling at a discount at this point. They got whacked this last quarter. Sounds good. You can meet CFB Chad Burton tonight at the Elks Lodge in Palo Alto, Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning Event. Tonight, Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning Event with CFP Chad Burton and myself. You can sign up for the event at... NewFocusFinancial.com. That's NewFocusFinancial.com. And if your heart's still open, and if so, I want to know what time it should. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. CFP Chad Burton is in the house today because there's a big event tonight in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge. Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning. Anything that we need to know, who should sign up for that kind of event? Um, I've had a couple of questions on this because this isn't really for the starting out people. It's for the people that have already accumulated some assets. So let's say half a million or above, which means, um, you know, you could be 10 years from retirement or closer or in retirement. And you're trying to figure out, okay, what do I do next? Uh, you know, we talk about indexing for your first amount of wealth. And then after that, you got to add different types of investments. There's smart beta funds. There's dividend to cheaper stocks, how those all work together, what to do with low interest rates, because there's still certain types of unconstrained bond funds, currency hedged global bond funds to, uh, you know, add to your portfolio to fight this low interest rate environment, structured note CDs, when to rebalance your portfolio, which is, you know, now's a good time. If you're out of your risk tolerance, you need to raise cash that you're going to need to spend in the next couple of years. You know, cash that you need next year or the year after should not be in the stock market right now, because... Even though the market could continue to go up, what if it doesn't? And then it drops, and then you need to pull the money out. Then those losses are real. So there's nothing wrong with rebalancing your portfolio and maintaining some cash. And we talk a lot about different times when you need to tap your IRA. A lot of people need to look at it right away for income because it makes sense tax-wise. A lot of people need to start Roth conversions because it makes sense tax-wise, especially if they're trying to pass pass their money onto their heirs and give them a tax-free pension for the rest of their life, for example. So we kind of merge that idea of retirement planning. Do you know, do you really have enough? What are the health care issues? And then how do you merge that into your estate plan? Because estate plan is pretty important. It's a lot easier to do it now because people have the ability to pass over $5.3 million onto their heirs without estate taxes. But most people have the wrong kind of trust, Rob. Most people did a trust three or four years ago, and it says it, it forces them to fund what's called a credit shelter or a bypass trust, and they may not want that to happen anymore. 
Unless you're over like 11 million, then you're probably still okay. Okay. But also, like when it comes to estate planning, it could be you can give away a lot of money in mm-hmm. your lifetime if you spread it out on years. And is part of your estate is it just your accounts or is it the value of your home? What, what is it? Is it the insurance policy too? Does that count? Well, if the insurance policy is owned by you or your spouse, yeah, it's in your estate. If it's owned by what's called an irrevocable life insurance trust, then no, it's out of your estate. So that's one of the things that people can do if you have an estate liquidity issue. If you pass and there's a large estate tax due because you have a a very large business, a lot of real estate, something like that, and you don't want to have to have your heirs fire sell Fire, so you don't, if you don't want them to have to fire sale your properties and fire sale your business at a horrible time, then they do a, an islet, an irrevocable life insurance trust. You give money to it, buys life insurance on your life. And then when you pass away, there's tax-free dollars there to pay all the estate taxes. Let's bring in a caller, Colonel, from San Francisco. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm well. What's your question? All right, so uh, my question is actually, uh, as I, I'm originally from India, and uh, I moved here like about 10 years ago. So just a matter of fact, like there are several banks in India, they offer up to 9% interest in, on CDs, actually. So I was just wondering whether it's a good investment, um, because ratio, like, uh, I mean, the exchange ratio of dollar to Indian rupee is always changing. And uh, also, we will have to pay the interest if we make an investment in India. So I was just wondering, like, how... Would it be a good investment or a period of time or no actually? Well, most of the people that I know that have done these in the last four or five years that, you know, maybe they plan on going back so they have money still there or they saw the high interest rates, a lot of them have lost more money in the currency exchange than they have in the interest rate that they've earned. And that was, a you know, even three years ago, right, Rob, we were in a kind of a fading dollar environment. The dollar was weakening against other currencies was our economy has recovered and the Fed has exited the bond buying program, but essentially exited quantitative easing. The dollar is rallying. It looks like we're going to be in that phase for a while. So if you have money overseas, unless it's currency hedged, you've got extra risk. Eight or 9% means extra risk anyway. So you know, I have a feeling in the next year or two that you could give up a good portion of that return in the dollar rising against the Indian currency. So, um, I would I would steer clear for it in the near term. You know, give it a year or two, watch what the dollar is doing, and then uh, maybe take another look. But interest rates are, and they have been much higher in India than they have been here um, for I don't know, many years, really. With that said, um, the idea is a great idea. You know, I'm sure. You know, when it, when it makes more sense is if you're going to go back. You know, that that whole brain drain thing where I'm going to work here for many, many years and I'm just going to go back to India. Okay. That's when it makes sense because the currency exchange rate doesn't matter as much. You're you're leaving the money over there. But if you're leaving the money over there to eventually bring it back here to spend it and the current the dollar goes up, you're losing just as fast as you're gaining on the interest rate side. It ties into another topic that a lot of people are lured to, currency risk. Mm-hmm. Or not currency risk, but foreign exchange trading. FX trading, right? Uh, buying and selling other countries' currencies—that's a tricky business. And the thing that I hate is I see a lot of infomercials on it. Do you know that I got questions for the last 15 years about buying the Iraqi dinar? <laughs> Gosh, it—it's it, that scam that resurfaces every two or three years. It's—it's it's unreal that people get into this, and it's just—it's like a a crowd-funded scam. It's—it's <laughs> it's tragic. It really is. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so the forex market is bigger than the stock exchange. With you, what do you look at when you're trying to get that kind of sexy play overseas? Well, we look at uh, a team-managed approach for a managed no-load mutual fund. Um, I don't like to name names on funds or anything like that just because I'm in the business. Um, but if you look for global bond funds and you read the prospectus or the report and they have the ability to hedge against currency risks – or, or currency changes. Um, there's a lot of attraction, especially recently with a lot of money flowing out of emerging markets and things like that. There's there's some opportunities in fixed income that's been created by that. But if you don't hedge out the currency risk, if you're getting six seven percent in some economy overseas, but the dollar's going up versus that currency, you're you're actually still working backwards. So you look for a big team managed approach. They got boots on the ground in the other countries or a team that works 
together to buy global bonds. Um, so I think that's a good, um, you know, up to a third of a bond portfolio right now. And the rest can be in uh, unconstrained bond funds, which is kind of the similar thing, but more of the U.S. They can pick and choose. Maybe Ginny Mays go on sale. Maybe high-yield bonds go on sale. Maybe the 30-year Treasury looks like it's still going to rally because of all the currency coming in, so they might buy that. But they still have the ability to hedge against rising rates um, using different types of derivatives. Plug the event tonight. We've got coming up in Palo Alto. It's going to be amazing. Need <laughs> I say more? You got any new I mean, it's you and I. We're going to be there. That's fair. So what else do they need to know? That's fair. So Yeah, I mean, I think if you go to this event, you will learn a ton about retirement. You will not be disappointed. A lot of questions answered. You can find out more about the event by going to his website, newfocusfinancial.com, tonight in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge from 630 to 9 at 639. Sign up at newfocusfinancial.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Be careful of the people you hear out there or see. Um, there's a guy who's on KSFO, I think it's fair to say. And I won't mention his time or embarrass him you know, directly. But what he does for a living is embarrassing. He sells annuities and pensions. He makes commissions off that. He doesn't really tell people their annuities. It's a very high commission product. He's getting it on the front end. He's getting it on the back end. Um, but he sounds like a good guy. And, you know, he tells you strategies of getting wealthy. He even does something like in the mortgage industry. Like, it's weird when the person you're working with not only is picking annuities, insurance for you to invest in, but he's also selling you a mortgage. Like, it gets to be a bit too much because there's a conflict there where he's like, okay, maybe take some of your money out of your mortgage and buy insurance. So he's making money on the mortgage issue, but he's also making money on the insurance issue. Um, someone just recently sent me a, a real long email complaining about, you know, baiting and switching. Something you have to watch out for in the financial services industry. Speaking about baiting and switching, Chad Burton. <laughs> oh, thanks for that intro. No, have you ever um, gone fishing? Many times. I'm not a fisherman. so Really? Yeah, it's, it's, I've got too much, I think, empathy or something like that. I feel bad for the worm, putting a worm on a hook. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll eat a worm. I have no problem with that, but putting it on a hook just seems weird. Like, why do I have to do that? Oh, come on, man up and put it on the hook and <laughs> go fishing. I once went deep sea fishing, and I was like, I'm out. As soon as I saw them pull this huge animal onto the boat and start hitting it with a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it's such a lovely and beautiful animal. Now, he tasted delicious later that night. Yeah. But... It's too much for me. I don't like the drama. Okay. I think that's maybe one of the areas where I might be autistic. You know how autistic kids get really upset about just odd little things? <laughs> it's so funny. I sit here and I always feel like I'm in, like watching, looking in on a Rob Black therapy session. Well, I'm just being <laughs> honest. It's too much for me. Yeah, all right. Well, I won't ask you to go fishing. I you, promise. Okay. <laughs> um... Do you know that polar bears, their skin is black? I have no idea. And that their the hair on their body is. Why had you have you shaved a polar bear? Maybe. <laughs> I'm fascinated by this, but that their hairs are actually um, hollow. So light that goes through it is white light. So their their hair looks white. Their their hair is actually not, has no color to it. But also because it's hollow, that's how they keep warm. It, that hollowness like transfers heat into their body. From the sunshine. That's amazing. Now, what's going to be even more amazing, if you can somehow tie this to a money issue, because you're really good at bringing it okay. back. Okay. Some animals are what known as adaptive to their environment. All right. They are known as adaptive. Mm -hmm. um, tying it to a money issue would be, are you set in stone with how you manage money? Like right now, we're, we're in a volatile market. It feels like a big correction's coming. Are you willing to admit that? Are you willing to change things? Are you willing to raise a little cash? 
because you were fully invested at one point in time. I'm not going to speak directly for you, but right. um, are you? Which yeah, I mean, what you have to determine is: do you let your your winners win? How long do you let them win? That's part of when do you rebalance. I think now's a great time to rebalance. Like I've mentioned earlier in the show, if your portfolio is your target, and if you don't know what your target is, you probably need a little financial help. Um, you know, if you don't have assets large enough to to be managed by a fiduciary based, you know, fee only advisor, then maybe an hourly planner can kind of have, take help you create what's called an investment policy statement, a line in the sand that says, okay, this is when you sell when you get out of this tolerance, and we'll tend to let things run, you know, 10%, sometimes a bit more out of tolerance. In other words, if it's 65% portfolio uh, in equities and for somebody's portfolio, we'll let it run 10% above that. Now's a good time to rebalance. We do that process. Uh, you know, we've been doing the process for the last week or so. And no, you have to change the way that you also think about the best assets to put in each asset class. When I got into the business, managed mutual funds were pretty popular. Right? I mean, you'd look for these great managers like a Bill Miller or Bill Nigren, guys that have been around, successfully beat the indexes over years and years, right? There's not a lot of them around anymore, Rob. A lot of the successful U.S. managers leave after four or five years and they go start a hedge fund, and that fund just ends up underperforming the benchmarks, anyways. Right. So there's a couple ways to index in the large cap and mid cap space. There's basic cap weighted index, and if, we, if you look at the S&P 500, it's a cap-weighted index, so most of the money goes to the larger companies like Apple, like Exxon, like Wells Fargo, J.P. Morgan, and what a Chevron. So I just mentioned four companies that could struggle this year in 2015 on the S&P 500, right? Yeah. Exxon, Chevron, J.P. Morgan, Wells Fargo. Last year, we all thought oil prices would probably stay high and interest rates would float up, benefiting both of the, all four of those companies I mentioned. The opposite has happened. So if you're in also, if you're, if you're not only doing large cap S&P 500 type indexing, which is cap weighted, but more of a fundamental index or a smart beta index, which is either earnings weighted or revenue, um, more of an earnings weighted situation, it automatically pulls the money down the line instead of being in the largest companies in the U.S., which have done amazing over the last five years, probably the best five-year run ever, into some of the smaller and mid-cap companies by automatically kind of fundamentally weighting down the line. You, it, it's kind of like a managed approach anyways at the cost of an index. So in the large cap, mid cap space, I really like the blending a regular index fund with a smart beta type fund that does this. It rebalances every year and back to where you want it to be. They work well together over time. Small cap, like a little bit of indexing, like a little bit of managed approach and in international. A little bit of indexing. Currency hedged indexing is good for Europe and Japan right now and then active managers everywhere else. Pretty negative day on the markets today at this point in time. Yeah, but look at some of the international ETFs today, especially the currency hedge ones that I mentioned today. You're actually getting some divergence now. Okay. So um, that's, that's something that I, I really like to see when asset classes and asset allocations is working correctly versus all tides are rising with stocks and bonds or all tides are falling with stocks and bonds. Something's not normal about that. When you get some divergence and some things are doing well, some things aren't, that's that's when markets seem to be working right. Hmm. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. One of the things you wanted to talk about earlier in the show that we never got to was mutual funds versus ETFs. Um, have we hit that enough? Um I think it's it's I think that the ETF is one of the fastest growing financial products out there, and all that is an exchange traded fund. Does it deserve it's a, it? It's a mutual fund that trades like a stock. Yeah, it's much more tax efficient. Okay. Um, and it's interesting on how these are created, basically on the fly or liquidated on the fly. Right. So if you look at some smaller up and coming ETFs, if we make a big purchase, New Focus might be one of the largest holders of this ETF. But the shares are created on the fly by market makers out there. So because of that nature. If it's in a taxable account, people don't inherit capital gains like they would in a mutual fund. So if you have a large cap mutual fund that, that owns Microsoft and all these companies that did well last year, right, and you mm -hmm. buy in today and they turn around and sell those stocks in a month, you will have a capital gains tax bill at the end of the year. Even if the stock, if, if the fund happens to lose value, value over that time period, you'll have a capital gain to pay, which is really annoying. I remember how annoying without, it was. Without outperformance as well. In the 1990s, like you said, before there were ETFs, mm -hmm. you know, uh, as an investment advisor, I'd put people in mutual funds, but you would always watch out 
you know, right around November when they pay their dividends, you're, you know, you're like, let's wait till after that so we don't get the capital. Back in the day, I was looking for. I think I found you. <laughs> to be more correct. But no, I was looking for a stock picker because mutual funds were becoming very tax inefficient as we got through the 90s because we met in 99. Yeah. It, it, 98, is. 99. And so we were going through this bull market run and you had all these stocks that were being held inside these funds and they were becoming very tax inefficient yeah. for investors. And the ETFs hadn't really kicked in there. You had, you know, spiders and that's about it. Um. And, you know, I wasn't as much of a believer, I would say, back then as indexing as I am now, just because over the last 10 years, not prior 10 years, but it was like for the first, say, 10, 12 years of my career, mutual fund managers were dependable and they would stick around and they would create track records. And they just don't seem to be doing that anymore. So you mentioned ETFs. Yeah. Um, let's say there's an ETF out there on healthcare stocks. Yep. VHT, for example. VHT. One that we owned. Um, let's say there's 10 holdings, hypothetically, at it. Every time you buy that, are you telling me that the ETF has to go out and buy each individual 10 stocks, or do they have a package that they can take off the wall called ETF VHT and just give it to you? Well, and in one like that, that's a huge one. So there's always shares being traded out in the market. Right. But if it's a newer type of an ETF, mm -hmm. like in that currency hedge type, um, and there's not any shares outstanding that are available to sell, um, you know, we as a firm have to call the trade desk and they go to a market maker like a Goldman Sachs and these things are created on the fly right there immediately. And Goldman Sachs makes money because they have to deliver all of these stocks to the company and they, so they get pennies on the on the transaction on it. Um, and it's it's actually a very efficient system. It's it's kind of amazing, really the way that it all works. Um, ETFs trade all day long, so they're priced based on the underlying securities all day long. Now, they can trade at a slight premium or slight discount. Mutual funds only trade once a day. At the end of the day, they figure out the net asset value. That's it. So that's why when you go on to, you know, if people use Yahoo Finance and you're looking at a mutual fund, it's the same price all day long until the end of the day. ETFs change all the time. Right. So it's, it's considered a bit more efficient. Coming up, I want to ask you some ideas on some of the new apps that are financial products. Uh, see if we can get some feedback on that. Tonight, we're going to be speaking at the Elks Lodge in Palo Alto, Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning. I'm going to go over some stock ideas, some investment ideas. Some of the basic keys of why we do this is to get you to retirement. We want to cut down on mistakes. You can learn more by signing up at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com tonight in Palo Alto, 630 tonight. I just Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. We keep getting hit. I'm joined by CFP Chad Burton. We keep getting hit with news about millennials, 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 how much money they have and their wealth. And, you know, are they choosing to use the 401k or not use the 401k? Um, you and I go to a lot of conferences and we see a lot of the financial products out there that's being created. One of them are called robo-advisors. And it seems to fit nicely with the millennial in the sense that it's on their phone, it's mobile, and it's kind of a computer doing it, a lot of one-man, two-man kind of companies. I saw one that was just pitched to a real estate office for their employees that you get 7.5%, you pay 7.5% per year when the market's up, they pay you 7.5% per year when the market's down. That has scam written all over it. I just, I don't. But it's two boys from Stanford. Yeah, well, there you go. But, I, mean, I don't think it has scam written all over it. I just think it's like, why would you do that? Why not just get a good index fund and not pay 7.5%, but okay, yeah, you're exposed to the market downside and someone doesn't have to pay you if it goes down. But that that's appealing to people's innate nature that they don't want to lose money. The pricing returns based on experience with derivatives and hedging the market. Right. Um, 
uh, where's the funds, it, it, you know, how is this going to work on a mass level as it gets bigger? The more they do it, the less it's going to work if they're doing some sort of an option strategy or hedging strategy. Um, you just whenever you hear those types of things, it's too good to be true, so stay away. And, and okay, it's probably right. not too good to be true because on the mathematical side, it still probably averages out over time to be what the market will end up giving you. So I looked into the company mm-hmm. because they are registered with the SEC. Um, and the person who, who asked me was, she was on the radio show. She was a real estate agent. She's like, hey, you know, what do you know about this product? Because it seems great. And uh, I looked into it and I was like, do you realize that they've been in business for less than three months? Mm-hmm. That they have less than six clients? Um, and those six clients could be them. It could be their own accounts. This is this is the deal. I mean, you know, I got to watch Mark Cuban take on the former head of the SEC at a uh, at a conference uh, because Mark Cuban got charged with insider trading, which he didn't do, but it took him like $8 million to fight this case. And most people don't have that type of money. Most of the employees on the SEC side have been on the enforcement side. So in other words, you've done something wrong, we're going to come get you versus the consumer protection side. So a company like that can go on and register and pay the fees and create what's called a registered investment advisory firm, legitimately do it, get an attorney to draft the documents and, and actually do that. It doesn't mean they're good just because they are registered currently with the SEC. The SEC tries to audit everybody. They don't have the manpower. The SEC is drastically underfunded and needs more funding on the consumer protection side. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's those types of things when they pop up, it's, it's scary. The thing about millennials, they're, they'll, they would rather trust an engineer to come up with an asset allocation program versus an investment advisor because of the banking system flowing into Wall Street and the reputation. Right. That that received, which is sad. It is a bit sad. Well, I think my cautionary tale is on a lot of these apps that it's cautionary. Mm-hmm. Fidelity just came out with an app that you can look at businesses that are close to you and invest in them. Like, that's not necessarily a good idea. Just because you could do it on a phone, because you could tie in, you know, GIS services with, with trading, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily a good idea. And that's Fidelity. And that's just a, a bad product to put out there. It's called stocks nearby. Yeah, I don't mind. You know, if you're you're trying to, if if you all, all your issue is is that you want to open up a Roth, or open up an IRA, and you want it diversified, you don't want to even deal with picking different index funds. These robo advisors can be great to get you to build a financial base. There's nobody to talk to, and I, I'm really wondering. None of them are profitable yet. I mean, you look at the the firms, and some of these firms that manage like eight to nine hundred million dollars have less revenue than my company does. They're drastically not profitable right now. They have a lot of venture capital behind them. So are they going to be there in a few years? That's the question. Right. If there's a market downturn, which there hasn't been in five years, what are people going to do? Um, and when you need more financial planning, when you actually need a certified financial planner, is when you're doing things like, do I fund a Roth or not? If I make too much money, do I do a backdoor Roth? What do I do with my estate plan? How do I merge? When do I put a 529 in plan for education? Do I need a trust? Uh, how much term life insurance do I need? When you need to talk to somebody other than just open an account, that's when you kind of graduate beyond that. And, you know, with that said, we're coming out with our robo-advisor option within the next month where you'll be able to go to our website, open up. If all you want is a, an account managed, you don't really need to talk to a CFP to go through taxes, insurance, retirement planning, estate planning, investing, the major comprehensive planning, we'll have an option for you. Because there are some people that don't want to talk right now. They just want to do an online interface, and we're coming out with a great one. There's one that I saw that's not quite public yet, but mm-hmm. it's called Robinhood. Yeah. And the concept of this app is if you're at lunch and you get this wild hair up your butt, like you just heard a tip, buy Apple. You could take $500 out of your banking account, transfer it, and buy five shares of Apple at $100 a share. And to me, it just – and there's no fees. There's no fees, no commissions. I don't like, and again, you could talk about the no fees, no commissions angle. I just don't like the idea of people being impulsive yeah. and turning their phone into a game that has real money tied towards it. It's almost like gambling at that point in my mind, and that's when you're going to get hurt. Yeah, using phones and apps to buy individual stocks at small dollar amounts. Yeah. It just doesn't, it's not the right way to go about it. But if that stock goes up 20% and turn lunch, woohoo! Yeah, but then all of a sudden that happens during a bull market run. You think you're a genius, and then you start kind of treating investing as gambling yeah. in short term versus what it truly is, which is making you very wealthy over time. Big event tonight. You could sign up for the event. 
Palo Alto Elks Lodge, Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning. CFP Chad Burton will be there. It's a good event for people 40 plus. It's a really good event for all people if you really want to educate yourself and see what's going on. You don't want to run out of money in retirement. I think that's one of the big selling points of the idea, um, wealth preservation. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com or newfocusfinancial.com. It's tonight, 639 in Palo Alto. Sign up. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.